You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Thessalonians, uh, as I mentioned in Sunday school, um, I've been studying this book in the month of February, and I've been reading it and rereading it. And I'll be honest with you, tomorrow is February 28th, is that correct? So that's the last day of the month. We're not in leap year, are we? Okay, I never know these things. But I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really uh, sad to be getting down to the end of the month because now I have to turn my focus to a different book of the Bible. I've enjoyed this book, and uh, it's amazing the truth that God packs into five little chapters in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so this morning in Sunday school, I dealt with a message to the afflicted. And in particular, this church here in Thessalonica was under great persecution. And many of our brothers and sisters all over this world are suffering great persecution in these days. And uh, uh, God had Paul uh, work in this church, and this church was started, and Paul went away, and they were going through this persecution. And Paul wanted to go back to this church and strengthen and comfort them, but he could not. And so he sent Timothy in his place. And Timothy is a wonderful type of the Holy Spirit, picture of the Holy Spirit's work in chapter 3. He went to that persecuted church, and he established them and comforted them. And it's good to know that when we're afflicted, there is a comforter who can come and comfort us in all our afflictions and all our troubles. And so we looked at that this morning. Well, tonight, I want to preach a message to the comfortable. Amen? And, uh, you know, uh, one preacher said it this way. He said, the job of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Amen? And so there's three times in this book, this little uh, five-chapter book, there's three times where the Apostle Paul tells this church who is being persecuted, I don't really need to talk to you about this. And I, I was, as I was looking at this, I was interested in why he would say, I have no need to speak of anything on this matter. Other places he says, I have no uh, need to write unto you about these things. And I began looking at these three instances in this book where the Apostle Paul says, I don't even need to talk to you about this. And I wondered, preacher, I wondered if the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to me, if he was writing a letter to, to my family, if he was writing a letter to Victory Baptist Church, would there be some things that he said, now listen, I don't even need to write to you about these things. So one of these things that he talks about, well, let's get into the text and we'll read the first one here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You've been seated a while, I'll invite you to stand with me as we read the text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'm aware of the time, and I'm hungry, so don't worry. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I want us to begin reading in verse number 5. The Bible says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us 
and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Boy, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Look at verse 7. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, and here's our first instance, so that we need not to speak anything. We need not to speak anything. I want us to look at this, and, and uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I want God to speak to our hearts from His Word tonight about these things that this persecuted church didn't need to be reminded of, but I believe maybe we do need to be reminded of. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fellowship of the brethren. Lord, thank you for the songs and, and the worship, all that we've experienced today. God, it's been a good day, and we're thankful for it. We know that it was a gift from you to us, and we sure appreciate it. Now, Lord, we want to be good in return to you. And so, God, help us to listen to your word. Help us not just to, to uh, uh, listen to it passively, but actively receive the word of God. As it says here in chapter 2, verse 13, the, the Thessalonians were, uh, were uh, commended because when they heard the word, they didn't receive it as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Lord, help us to receive your word in that fashion this evening. Lord, may Jesus Christ receive all the glory and honor. Lord, maybe someone here's tonight, uh, here tonight is not saved. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to their heart, help them to, to realize their need of a Savior, the truth of the gospel. May they receive Christ, be born again tonight. And Lord, I pray for your church. Dear God, we need uh, a touch from heaven tonight. We need a stirring. We need revival. America will not have revival unless God's people have revival. And so God, help us to look to you for that reviving. And Lord, maybe tonight uh, something will get started in our hearts that will carry us through uh, in, a, in a way of serving you that maybe we have not before, a level of dedication and commitment that we have not attained before. God, we pray that you would accomplish that in our hearts. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Paul is talking about how they received the Word of God, and he said, when the gospel came to you, it came to you not just in word. Now, it's important that the Word transported the gospel to them. Amen? It's through the Word that we understand what the gospel is and that we need the gospel. But it was more than just the word that delivered the gospel to them. He says in verse 5, there was power. Aren't you glad there's power in the gospel? The apostle Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, everyone that believes. Listen, the gospel is the most powerful thing in the world. He said, when the gospel came to you, it came by the word, it came in power, it came in the Holy Ghost. There was a work that was done on the inside. They didn't just hear the words through their ears, they heard the word in their heart because the Spirit of God 
brought conviction to their hearts. And listen, friend, I believe that every soul that's saved gets saved not only through the preaching of the Word, but the convicting power of the Holy Ghost of God. He does a work on the inside that no man can do. And when the Thessalonians heard the Word, they uh, received the Word, and they, they understood that they were sinners, that they were condemned before God, and that Christ was the only way to salvation. They received the gospel in word, in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. And then he says that they became followers of us and of the Lord. And, uh, and so when they got saved, they began following the Lord. Now, you know, that seems odd to us these days, but in the Bible, it seems that's the way it always worked. Somebody got saved, they got baptized, and they followed the Lord. And uh, it's sad today that we have so lowered the standard that we'll just call anyone a Christian who says, I'm a Christian. A Christian is one who follows the Lord. And the Thessalonians, they received the gospel. They became followers. They received the word in much affliction. And uh, that, that itself is a big statement, but they received the word in much affliction with joy. Wow. They realized the preciousness of the gospel, and they realized we're willing to go through affliction if it means we get, we, we get Jesus. Amen? And so they received the word, and, and the Bible says as a result of this, they became in samples in verse 7. And then in verse 8, he says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. I love this phrase. And I'm told by those who are smarter than me that this idea of sounding out, it has the idea of an echo. They echoed the word of the Lord. And listen, the only way that you can echo the word of the Lord is if you first have received the word of the Lord. What is on the inside will come out. And the gospel came through the preaching of the word of God. The Holy Spirit of God dealt with their heart. And as a result of their genuine conversion, there, uh, there resounded from them, there sounded out from them the message of the gospel. You know, saved people ought to tell other people how to be saved. That's just a natural reaction for someone who is born again. If you found the greatest thing that you've ever found in life, you are just going to naturally tell someone about it. That's what happened with the Thessalonians. And he says, I don't even need to speak to you about this. Now I wonder, back to our original thought, I wonder if the Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul to write me a letter. If he would get to this part and he'd say, you know, I don't even need to talk to you about being a witness. I don't even need to encourage you to tell people about Jesus. Now, listen, I'll be honest with you. I need encouraging to tell people about Jesus. And preachers, I got looking at this and got thinking about this. I thought maybe the reason why he didn't have to tell the Thessalonians about this was because of their affliction. You see, affliction tends to get us to focus on what's really important. When, when things are going well, we tend to, to be con concerned about things that don't really matter. 
But when hardship comes, it really, it really gives us laser focus on the things that are important and the things that matter. And listen, my friend, there is nothing more important in this life than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important to a life than to receive Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. We hold in our possession the greatest gift that God has ever given to man, salvation through Jesus Christ. We were talking at Chick-fil-A last night. That was another reason I knew I was going to like it here. And uh, we're, we, we're talking about these, this, this diet. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm on one. And, uh, and, and so I found out, I had an epiphany last night at the Chick-fil-A. They have gluten-free bread. Gluten-free bread. And, uh, and so I was eating a gluten-free chicken sandwich. And, uh, and that was a blessing to me. So I was talking to the preacher about this, and we were talking about how hard it is when you're traveling, because he traveled for years with the college group, how hard it is to eat right when you're on the road. And we were talking about this back and forth, and, I, and I, it just hit me all of a sudden because I knew what I'd been studying. And I, I looked at the preacher, I said, first world problems. First world problems. We don't worry about eating, we worry about what we're going to eat. You know what, I believe if there is some persecution and affliction that came upon the church of, of, of America, we might get a little more concerned about what's really important. What's really important? Telling people about Jesus. He said, I don't need to talk to you about this because you're doing it already. The church at Thessalonica, it was a young church. A young church. They're brand new believers. And yet already their faith to Godward was spread abroad in every place. People talked about the church at Thessalonica all over that region. Well, I'd like that to be the testimony of my life, of my family, of my church. Let me show you the second one found in chapter 4. In chapter 4, Paul begins to deal with the walk of the believer. And I love this phrase in verse 1. I'd love to preach from it, but this is not our text. But he says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. I love that phrase, please God. You know, we just get that down. Please God. Don't worry about pleasing anyone else, especially yourself. Amen. Just worry about pleasing God. And so he goes down through here and he talks about how they're supposed to please God. And uh, he gets down to verse number 9. He's talking about holiness in the first part of the chapter. He gets down to verse 9. This is what it says. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. Well, what a statement that is. He's talking to a church. He's talking to a young in the faith church. He's talking to believers, and he said, you know what? I don't even need to write about you about, to, about loving one another. Brotherly love. 
brotherly love. The, the, the scripture says in Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. He said, I don't need to, need to write to you about this. He says in the latter part of verse 9, For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. Let me ask you a question. Do you think all the brethren in Macedonia were doing everything they ought to do? Amen. Don't get quiet on me here. Do you think they all were batting a thousand do you think they're all doing, doing their utmost every day to live for God and love God and love one another and be kind to one another and forgive one another? Listen, people are people, and people have always been people. Amen? There's always problems. Every church has problems because every church has people. The only church with, without problems are churches that don't have people. But that did not stop them from loving one another. Hey, how about, how about this? How about we have as much grace with everyone else as we want God to have with us? He said, I don't even need to talk to you about brotherly love. And I read this and I look at the church of America in 2022 and I think this needs to be preached on. But he said, I don't need to preach it to the Thessalonians. You know why? Because persecution and affliction had taught them to value one another. What, what's going on in Ukraine? My, I, I, I know I mentioned it this morning, but I just can't stop thinking about it because my heart is with those believers over there, what they're going through. Now listen, I'm a Baptist. I had, one, I had a friend of mine say this. He was preaching in a big way. He said, I'm a Baptist from the top of my foot to the bottom of my foot. I said, you're that much Baptist. Whoa. Well, I am a Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm a Baptist through and through. I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, premillennial Baptist. But that doesn't mean I can't love other brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't Baptists. You know what persecution does? It gets us off our little petty high horses to where we appreciate those who name the name of Christ and those who love Jesus and those who preach the gospel. You know what Paul said? He, he was in prison and there were, some, there were some other preachers that didn't get along with him. Imagine that. And they were preaching that Paul was in prison because Paul had done wrong. And Paul said this, they supposed to add affliction to my bonds. Now that's just mean-spirited. That's, that's, like, that's kicking somebody when they're down. And we're, we're pretty good at that. But you know what Paul's attitude and Paul's spirit was toward those guys? He said, I rejoice. Because even though they're against me, they're still preaching the gospel. We wouldn't feel that way, would we? But Paul was not living on a natural realm. He was living supernaturally because of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And that's what God calls upon us to do. To love one another, not based upon performance. How about this? Based upon position. 
We're brothers in Christ. We ought to love one another. He said, the church of Thessalonica, I don't even really need to talk to you about this. But wouldn't it be a blessing if, if Victory Baptist Church, and I don't know anybody here, so if you think I'm shooting at you, I'm not. But wouldn't it be a blessing if it could be said about Victory Baptist Church, we don't even need to talk to them about preaching the gospel. They're doing that already. We don't have to talk to them at all about loving one another because they're loving one another in spite of each other's faults. Let me give you the third one, and I'll be done. Look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. In verse number 1, he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. You know what? This church not only had a, uh, a heart to preach the gospel and they had a love for one another, but they had an understanding of the times in which they lived. And, uh, and how did they know this? We mentioned it this morning briefly in Sunday school. They knew the, the world in which they lived, not because of the, uh, uh, by listening to the world in which they lived, but by spending time in the Word of God. Look what he says in verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Well, it seems like we've heard peace and safety a lot lately, haven't we? How much has been done in the name of peace and safety in the last two years? Peace and safety has superseded everything else. And it seems that Christians have even got caught up in that peace and safety is more important than preaching the gospel and loving the brethren and looking for the Lord to come back. You know, listen, you know what? We need a revival of looking for the Lord to come back. You know, we are commanded to keep our eyes on the eastern skies. We're commanded to look for the Lord's coming. The problem is, is we are so wrapped up in this world that we couldn't care less if the Lord came back. We have set our affection on things below instead of setting our affection on things above. You know, a little persecution comes along. We start looking up a little more than we do looking around. I want us to understand tonight that persecution, though we dread it in this flesh, just may be the greatest blessing that the church will receive on this side of heaven. Spurgeon said it this way. He said, I've learned to, to bless the waves that pound me upon the rock of ages. Those hard times, they draw us closer to the Lord. I was preaching Wednesday night, thinking about the disciples when they're in the boat, and they're in Matthew 14. Jesus sent them over. This time, He was not in the boat with them, and a storm came along. See, before they'd been in the storm, but Jesus was with them. This time, He wasn't with them. The storm comes. They're fearful. They're afraid. Jesus was up in a mountain, and he was praying. And I believe he was praying for them. 
He knew what they were facing. He was praying for them. And they called out in fear, and Jesus came walking to them. And this phrase really caught my attention, on the water. The water was what they were afraid of. The fear that was in their hearts was because they were afraid they were going to drown in that storm. And the very thing that they were fearful of the most is the thing that brought Jesus closer to them. The church as a whole, Western civilization, we have had it so good for so long that I think we've got our eyes on the blessings, we've got our eyes off of the Lord. And it may just be that the Lord is going to have to bring about some affliction in order to get our focus back on Him. If the Lord were to send you a letter, if you were to send this church a letter, would it read something like 1 Thessalonians? You know, I don't need to talk to you about spreading the gospel. You're already focusing on that. I don't need to talk to you about loving one another. You've already got a good handle on that. I don't need to talk to you about the end times and looking for the Lord to come back because you're already doing that. Or would he have to write a different letter? Would he have to spend his time, instead of comforting us, would he have to spend his time correcting us? The Lord could come back at any moment. I believe that. I believe he'd come back before I finish this message. I believe that. But should he not come back, before too long, we're going to start seeing and experiencing this persecution. And if you can't see that, you're not paying attention, first and foremost, to the Word of God, and also to the times and the seasons in which we live. Things are not going to get easier for the believer. You say, preacher, you shouldn't say this. It's going to scare people away. You know, the genuine Christians, it shouldn't scare us away. Because we already know what we have is better than what anything the world could give to us. For the believer, this is the worst it gets. It doesn't get any worse than this. It just gets better and better and better. And I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying life right now. Amen. I'm not serving God, you know, with a ball and chain wrapped around my, my leg. I, I'm serving Him because I love Him. Because of what He's done for me. And I'm enjoying life. But listen, friend, it might get a little dicey between here and the rapture. Maybe if we'd get focused on what we should be focused on now, just maybe... A little bit of that affliction won't be necessary. Well, that'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? I love it when my kids get right with me before I have to deal with them. Amen? They have a little spat, and I know they stand up here, they look like they don't have any spats. When they're out of sorts with one another, their mother and I, we're, we're not <clears throat> as quick as we used to be. 
Toddlers in your 40s is different than toddlers in your 20s. Can I get a witness? Preacher, I know you can witness with And it's nice to see them get things right with one another before we have to intervene. That's the wonderful thing about our Heavenly Father. He gives us a space to repent. He gives us opportunities to get our hearts right, to get our focus back on what we should be doing, who we should be. And I'm thankful for this little book of 1 Thessalonians that encourages us to keep the gospel front and center, to love one another, and to look for the Lord's coming. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.